You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Bells will be ringing. The glad, glad news Oh, what a Christmas Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That means uh, my man Patrick comes up with a creative theme. The theme of today, uh, obviously holiday jams, but specifically soulful, original holiday Christmas songs, um, and we've been having fun with that all day long, trying to get everybody in the spirit. You can always be a part of the show. We appreciate it. Specs Tech Science, the best way to do it. 512-337-3776. I'm at Rod Davis in the Twitterverse, Harch at Hardball Harch, and the real MVP, Patrick Davis, at It's Patrick Davis, who actually tonight... He, after he gets done working this job, because he's a hard worker, all right, one of the hardest working members of the Aaron family, he's got another job. Going out, hey, but I'm doing that one for free because it's for the people. Yeah. Because we're raising money for the Austin Firefighters Relief and Outreach mm-hmm. Fund. Uh, Jelly's 10th annual Christmas jam is happening at 310 at ACL Live. Uh, CC, Cowboy Diplomacy, Jelly Ellington playing full sets, and then a big jam that's going to be like a two-hour jam that is happening uh, starts at 10 o'clock. It's going to be a really fun time down 310 at ACL Live. And you can walk up and get tickets if you want walk to. You up want to go get, up and hang go out. In. Tickets are available. Out. Nice. You can go up there and come up and say, hey, <laughs> we'll be hanging out. I'll be having a beer or two out there. Yeah. You know, just a beer or two. Hey, man, you know three. what? Uh, I, I'm still debating. I think I might be able to slide on through. I, I, I think I can uh, convince wifey, like, hey, man, I got to go support my man Patrick. It's south. Please have a drink. There. It's south. Yep, it's That's south why I think you. I might be able yeah. to do it. So uh, I, I think I, I might. Like, I like that south <laughs> is downtown for Harge now. That's way yeah, south. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that's <laughs> He's true. Like, it's downtown. It is, it is actually down the city. <laughs> it's down the road from the Capitol. That's not south or north. That it's is south just of Austin. Him. That's it what he means. south of him. <laughs> it's <laughs> Austin. That's basically what it means. It's south of him. But yeah, yeah. is downtown. Yeah, yeah, that's that's downtown. Yeah. See, for hard, just like, no, that's south yeah, of me. I mean, that's like, south. Hey, that's south, hey, that's south. I mean, north San Antonio. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, all right. Yeah, so uh, that's happening tonight. In case you, uh, you need something to do, my man Patrick, uh, hosting a uh, great event tonight, great charity event tonight. Um, down there at uh, the, 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 sec- the, the bottom floor of ACL Live. Yes, so if you yeah, ever go to ACL Live right by the Willie statue, it's right over there by the box office, okay. uh, 310. Amazing club. Yeah. Oh, no, it is. I don't know if I've been to the the bottom part there. I think I always oh, end up real at the other one. Yeah. It's no, it's cool. It's, they spent a lot of money to make that place right. sound and look really cool. Great, great lights, screen, everything up there. Another, yep. reason, another reason to drop by and have a drink. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk about the Cowboys here a little bit. We'll talk about the Texans, too. Texans have a game coming versus the Chiefs this weekend, so we can get in some, some of that discussion. Cowboys versus Jacksonville. We played the Micah Parsons sound early in the show of him on the other, I think called the Vaughn cast uh, with Vaughn Miller. And some people thought it might have been some trash talk when um, he posed a question um, whether the Eagles' success was more based on the team and the system 
are based on Jalen Hurts having an extraordinary season so far. Listen, I'll say this about Jalen Hurts because I I've been following you know this Jalen Hurts story for a while, and I remember when Jalen Hurts was drafted, I said I I liked the pick. I thought it was a a good pick. He was drafted in the second round. So we weren't spending too much on him. Uh, one of the things I liked about him was the fact that he had been so adaptable, right, in different offense. You're talking about a guy that played. Uh, with the Nick Saban in that offense there and played what in, oh, man, was it, was it, it had to be Lane Kiffin's offense at mm-hmm. 1.2. It was Lane Kiffin's offense at one point. I believe Brian Dabble at one point was his OC. So you talk about one of those guys in the NFL. Actually, I guess technically Lane Kiffin's an NFL guy too. Yep. Um, but you got Brian for Dabble. Yeah, exactly, for a yep. minute. Yep. Uh, Lane Kiffin, was it Mike Loxley? I yep, believe it yep, was. It was, was the other OC that threw there. And then he leaves, goes to Lincoln Riley as his you know, OC, play caller, quarterback, uh, nurturing coach. guru. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps. And then is drafted in the NFL with Doug Peterson, another quarterback guru. Yep. And now ends up with Nick Sirianni uh, in that offense that I think has been perfectly uh, molded and uh, perfectly uh, kind of suited and built around his skill set. I think all of that has really helped him, and it was that's what I liked about his game is that he seemed like he could adapt to a lot of different systems. Now he's in the ideal system for himself, and I, you know I disagree with Michael Parsons on this one. I think I think it is pretty obvious that Jalen Hurts is taking him game to the next level. That's the biggest reason why the Eagles are a twelve win team. Yeah, he 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 has changed the way he's gone about. Uh, what people perceive him as. A lot of people thought of him as a running quarterback, and when you get an opportunity to see how much he's developed as a passer, it has been the most impressive part about it. I've always thought he was one of those dudes that could get down and, and be able to to throw the football to all angles. Did he get better? Absolutely. Has he made and put the time in to get better? Yes. And that is why we've seen this growth. But let's not get it twisted. He's always been a good quarterback. He's always been a winner. He's been able to show up and do things. Go back and look at his high school career. He was good in high school. Go to Alabama. He started as a freshman. Did he lose his job to Tua? I was actually at the game when Tua threw the touchdown. He landed right in our lap to, by the way, another NFL player who he has a history with, Devontae Devontae Smith. Smith. So there is so much that – People want to push to the side and say, oh, he's just going to be a runner. No, he's basically told everybody, you can come and get it if you want it, and I'm going to give it all to you. Yeah. So can, that's what he, you can get it any way you any like way, it. Any, it, any way you, you like, like it. You want me to beat you with these legs? Exactly. I can beat you with my legs. You want me to beat you as an accurate quarterback from the pocket? I can do that too. Exactly. Whichever way you want it. And I the can beautiful it. thing about <laughs> it is, they went out and got another big play wide receiver for him and getting A.J. Brown. Yeah, they, they invested in him. They invested yeah. in him. Mm-hmm. What does uh, the Baltimore Ravens do? Nothing. Nothing. And that is the difference. You're starting to see that Jalen Hurts, who, by the way, went to the Heisman Trophy ceremony as well, hmm. won a national championship at Alabama. Hmm. They put him in games to make plays. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what everybody keeps looking at and why they keep doubting the that's, man, that's, but that's why he's laughing at Exactly. Him. I would say that the <laughs> doubt actually is fueling him a little right. bit. Because he, he's probably saying the same thing. He's like, well, was that out? I, I got recruited to Alabama, which, <laughs> I mean, that's a dynasty. So if I can start it. If, if Nick Saban wants me, I'm pretty good. Started at Alabama. Yes. 
Played for national played titles. Played for a national championship. Yeah, yeah. Twice. Twice. Back to back. Yeah, and went to a Heisman you know, ceremony as a finalist, one of the best players in the country, and yet and got drafted in the second round. So yes. the NFL coach was like, oh, no, I like him enough to drive him second round. And yet people still like, uh, he's not an NFL quarterback. I remember people saying that. Right. People literally telling me, like, he's not an NFL quarterback. And I remember saying, on these airways, I don't understand that. I don't know how you can make that type of assumption about him when you haven't given him the chance to improve and adapt to a system. It's the real deal. Yes. I mean, he's, the re- he, he's the truth. He's the truth right now. I'm not saying he's elite. I'm not, not getting this all that conversation. But in terms of him being a, a worthy of being a franchise quarterback, He's in that conversation now. But, the, if, but if Philly don't want to do it, somebody will try to decide to do it. But the thing about it is, even if you're elite, don't make you a winner. You know he, what I'm saying? He does win. That he, uh, that's it. That's he what you win. want. He does win. We're Not, sitting here looking yeah. at people hating on Dak, and he's winning. Dak is winning football games. And people can say, well, it's in spite. Going back to what Micah Parsons said, Philly looks to be one of the most complete teams in the NFL this year. Yeah. Period. So why can't all things be true? He can be a good quarterback on a good team that is winning with a good system. With a good system, yeah. all those things can be true. Yeah, that's what, but yeah. why is it a problem? No, it's not a problem. No, I'm it's just saying. Like, problem, why do people but, but, always with, get mad about? I, it? I think for Micah and Micah's comments was that he wants to give props to the team, props to the system, but not props to Jalen Hurts, or not enough props. Not enough props. I okay. think he should have okay. been a little bit more. No, Jalen's a beast. He should have said that. No, he should have just. I, I think he should have been a little bit more forthcoming with the complimentary, you know. Uh, a conversation about Jalen Hurts. He he said he's good, but early on he did ask the question: Is it is it Hurts or is it the team? No, or is it the system? You know, and I think he should be like, no, like you said, it's all three. It's all of them. That's why they, they have the best be record in the league, right? Because he's balling at the MVP level. The system is legit. It is perfectly suited and has been for his know, skill set. Yeah, it's malleable to the skill sets of the players they have, yep. and also, yep, the roster is legit. They don't really have a true hole on the roster. Yep, um, I'm down with that. Yeah, I'm down with that. I think that, honestly, before the season started, I said I, I'm taking the Eagles to win that division. You did, and it was because. I believed in Jalen Hurts, who made the by the way, made the playoffs last year, and people still didn't want to give exactly. credit. Exactly. Made the playoffs last year with a first year could be like, ah, eh, just a scrub. That guy's a bum. And it's like, like you said, he just keeps winning. <laughs> and everybody keeps and everybody him. keep hating. And on I, him. to me, that's why Micah's comments were a mistake. Right. Because for a guy now that's riding high who may just start, maybe just starting to relax and exhale and go, I finally did it. I right. told everybody I finally made it. Now everybody's talking to me, talking about me as MVP. I deserve it, and might finally be patting himself on the back, like Mac Brown said, a little sugar on your back. Yeah. Or as Nick Saban calls it, the success flu. He might be getting a little bit of it. Well, he's feeling sick about it. Yeah. And now, exactly. Now you decided to to doubt him again publicly yeah. and gave him a little fuel. Yeah. Gave him a little fuel. Got him oh, back you, oh, where he uh, needed uh, to be. Another guy doubted me on Christmas Eve. I have to show him too. Yeah. It's, all, it's all good. Next. Which, and I know I don't like that. And I don't cow- like that as can't. a Cowboys fan. I don't. I'm not. I'm not feeling that at all. No, because I don't need him having any extra in his tank. Just like his team, because his team is looking at it and saying, "Yeah, he is our MVP. He is our dude that we've been waiting for. We riding with him, and we're gonna continue to ride with him." We heard earlier in the year, Jason Kelsey tell him. I need you to break us down. This is your team now. Yep. The center gave him control of the team. Yeah. 
It ain't my team, it's it yours. That's right. And the reason he gave him the team, is, and this is like a 30-second little clip here, and it's like a little montage that was put together from players and Nick Sirianni talking about the level of commitment from Jalen Hurts. I thought it was interesting. Uh, it's basically more about how they always see Jalen Hurts' car at the facility. Here it is. <laughs> he works his butt off. He's he's always here. He, he's always in this always building. I mean, everything Coach said is true. They're, you know, I come in full treatment on our days off, and I see his car already parked in here. And Last night, it was like 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock he was here. He FaceTimed me. He was talking about doing install. Like, it's 7 o'clock. I'm at home. It's every time I'm in here, I see him. He's just here. Like, he, he might as well say he lives here. You know, doesn't really let you know about it, but everybody sees it, um, you know, whether he's in here or not. But we, we've been seeing it for all this time. Tribute to Jalen. He's a big time. He's a stud. I think he's pulling a George Costanza. <laughs> and he's just leaving his car at the facility, going home via ride shares. It just, it, he's got everybody fooled. That's what I'm hoping it is as a quasi Cowboys fan. That he's not that devoted. He's just pulling the Costanza. Did, uh, it's a Costanza. On, in that Costanza episode, mm-hmm. didn't he have like tickets put on his he car? He locked to, his keys in his car. But weren't there tickets on yeah, his No, they were like, no, they were, they were like flyers. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah that's what it was. Flyers. He, 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 Chinese went, he went to like the Hamptons for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. And there was flyers on his car. So they had to go take him off, and they're like, while we're there, we'll get a car wash. And they, and they wrecked the car and pulled it back up. <laughs> and they thought, George, something happened to him. because Where's wrecked. George? Yeah. He goes to his parents' house. Oh, Mr. Costanza, George is dead. George, George <laughs> is dead. Oh, that is fantastic. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so maybe, hopefully, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're hoping it's a Costanza yeah. bit. I'm hoping. Or, Patrick, what you brought up, the uh, Chad Jessen. The Chad Johnson where he's just living in the he's just living there until <laughs> he they made him get an apartment. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully either he's really cheap or he's just pulling the Costanza. We don't and by the way, I think that also means you're cheap if you're pulling the Costanza. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we hope, get, if you're a quasi Cowboys fan, you can hope that he's stepping out and he's gonna get in trouble and he's just like, Baby, my car's I'm at the facility. <laughs> baby. I'm, yeah. I'm at the facility. I can't come home yeah. at the facility. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of people are saying, no, man, he's the real deal. Uh, he's that devoted, he's that committed to the cause. I think the record reflects that. Let's get to the Cowboys though, um, because they did uh, make a move. They brought in <clears throat> they brought in a cornerback at Harge. I'll give you a ton of credit because you were complaining about the cornerback position. While even Anthony Brown was healthy, yep. he was like, man, they got to do something about the cornerback position. And it, t- it took Anthony Brown going down. Uh, he was already kind of a liability at times. But he went down with a season-ending injury, and that's when they decided uh, that boss man Fats – Oh, take that back. Kelvin Joseph. Yeah, he's Kelvin. going by his government Kelvin, name. Yeah, he's because uh, his boss, boss man ain't working out for him because uh, that's the alter ego that's supposed to be really good. His rapping hip-hop alter ego. <laughs> uh, but he's playing like Kelvin. That Kelvin wasn't going to get it done. Uh, Nation Wright, I don't think they trust him either. They brought in Mackenzie Alexander. Um, as a member of their practice squad, and they brought in Trayvon Mullen most recently, a 25-year-old cornerback uh, who was off the waiver wire. He was drafted 40th overall. Um, so this is a guy that had a really high upside coming out of Clemson, um, started 30 games for uh, uh, for the uh, NFL team that drafted him initially, um, and then he was traded to the Cardinals in August and has been inactive with them in five of the 13 games, I believe. I think the Raiders drafted him initially. The reason that he has been inactive is because he's still – I don't know if he's still recovering from an injury, but he yeah. had some injuries in the last two years, a foot injury and an ankle, uh, sorry, toe injury, toe injury and a foot injury that actually back-to-back years ended up ha- hampering his play or his ability to be available to play. And I hopefully the Cowboys are you know, investing in a 
that diamond in the rough who's been kind of undervalued now as a second-round pick who's been uh, released after being traded once. I can save him. That's yeah. what the thought process is. It is like but that. here's the other part of it. They're trying to piece all these different uh, cornerbacks together because if – Kelvin Joseph is not the guy, and he's showing to be not the guy. They have to bring guy after guy after guy in to make sure that they offset what Trayvon Diggs is doing on the other side. So if one is not getting it done, they don't have time to wait around. They've got to make moves and make them fast. And and with them going out and get somebody with the type of upside, when you're a second-round pick, they're going to give you more chances. That's what normally yes, happens. of course. Because there is obviously a value to what you brought to the table for you to even get picked at that point. Mm-hmm. That is why it's important for them to go over there and say, okay, what can we do to bring more out of this guy? I, I think they may have it. They may not. But what they have on the roster right now, starting with the people that they drafted, that's the only reason why Kelvin Joseph is still there because they invested the second-round pick on him. True. Because of the things that we saw, and we all respect what you say about the defensive backs, you see it. It's mm-hmm. not What you see is what you get, and yeah. that's exactly what it is, and that is not good at that cornerback position, especially now that they are being singled out because nobody's going to that side. Now it's getting more magnified, mm-hmm. and you're starting to see, well, maybe we made a mistake on this guy. Maybe he's better as a supplemental piece to what we thought he was going to be. True. And that's why they've been using him on special teams so much, and he's terrible on that too. Yeah, and he's, he, he's undisciplined, so a lot of penalties. He's second most right. penalized player for the Cowboys. Right. And I agree. I, I don't know if he's a bust. I wouldn't throw that on I'm him. I'm not going to put it on him yet. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's not ready yet to be the starting corner opposite Trevon Diggs. And if he wasn't opposite Trevon Diggs, an all-pro corner, I think he'd be in a better position because so, teams wouldn't just attack him. Right. Um, it just makes too much sense. And it's, it's the work smarter, not harder situation where right. I'm going to go at the corner opposite the all-pro and I know that I can exploit that guy. Right. And I think that's what – hell, the Texans did it. Um, the Texans – Chris I mean, Moore thank had you. a career day um, because of the corner opposite. He and the reason, a contract. Exactly. Well, the reason I know about this is because I was that guy. No, seriously, I, I was that other corner opposite Quentin Jammer at Texas, opposite Nathan Vasher at Texas. Nobody's throwing at those guys. Those guys were awesome players, all-American, uh, all you know, uh, guys who were all pros in the NFL, and they threw at Rod B. Yeah, I made him pay as much as I could, um, and I held my own. But I know that's the – I would get told that by my deep, my DB coach, Coach Aquino. He's like, hey, you know they're coming after you this week. I'm like, I know. Yeah. It's all good. I'm prepared. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm hoping that is the case. Yep. And for the Cowboys, they're in trouble now because they don't believe in Nation Wright. It's pretty obvious to the eye test. Kelvin Joseph is um, – he's not up to the task. Uh, they they got projects, like you said, now with McKenzie Alexander and now with Trayvon Mullen. I think the ultimate solution that my contingency plan would be move to run Bland, who they think is a stellar nickel in place of Jordan Lewis, and he's been consistent there. I'd move him out to corner, and I'd put those three safeties in there, Donovan Wilson, Malik Hooker, and J. Run Curse as my big nickel package. That's the way I would go. Because I, right. I think those guys actually could cover. They may be liabilities in some situations, but you can always move some pieces around um, personnel-wise in case some team's trying to exploit you with that slot wide receiver. But I'd go with my big nickel package a lot of the times. Yeah. I mean, it really would. But Deron Bland's been really good for him. They just, I think Nation Wright and Kelvin Joseph have not really given them confidence with their play. Right. So they think down the stretch, you know, part of the game plan when you're going up against the Cowboys, we know how to beat the defense. For you sure. You run the rock, 
and attack the corner opposite of Trevon Diggs. Yeah. That's where you start the game plan. That, I mean, and, that's how it works out. Yeah, and I and I, <laughs> and I think they want to they want to try to deter teams from making it that easy. Like, oh no, we got two things we know we got to start the game plan with. We're attacking that corner opposite Trevon Diggs, and we're running the rock on the Cowboys. And the Texans did both. Yeah, ran the rock on the Cowboys, attacked that opposite corner, stayed in it with the Cowboys. And that's the tanked. that's the recipe. And then tanked. Well, when, it is, when it got too close, well, they, they were like, the, we might actually win this game? They are the Texans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, they are true. They are the Texans. Yeah. Uh, all right, what are your thoughts about the matchup versus Tre, uh, Trevor Lawrence? Uh, he scares me. I okay. think what he's done as a quarterback and understood what Doug Peterson has brought him in to do. I mean, Doug Peterson got the job and changed the way his energy was. Yeah, he did. They have different pieces to to attack the Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. whether it's the run game with Travis Etienne, whether it's the mobility of a Trevor Lawrence getting outside the prop pocket. You look at what Zay Jones has done mm-hmm. for them in a short period of time. They have created a a type of offense that the Cowboys have had trouble against. You talked about last week with the Houston Texans. Now you got a quarterback that was up for Heisman Trophy, number one overall draft pick. Last week you were going up against Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll, mm-hmm. um, that two-headed monster, <laughs> if you want to call it a monster. <laughs> was, uh, but hey, it was effective. It was. I was going to say. He, he got a spark, and we actually thought Pep uh, Hamilton looked like an offensive coordinator for creative. a second. But Doug Peterson knows the Dallas Cowboys. Don't forget, he was playing against the Eagles. I mean, playing for coaching for the Eagles. Yeah, he understands the personnel that the Cowboys have. Yes, Micah Parsons was not there when he was there, but you also understand that last week those offensive linemen held Michael Micah Parsons in check last week. Period. They didn't get to the quarterback. There were things that they did to offset the rushing game. I mean, the uh, rushing pressure that they were bringing. So I'm nervous about this game just like I was last week against the Texans because obviously the Cowboys don't know how to have nice things. Yeah, how they handle success. Exactly. Uh, Micah Parsons in an interview going crazy, talking trash Mm -hmm. when he shouldn't be, when he should be focusing on the Jacksonville Jaguars. You almost lost last week to the Texans, the worst team in the NFL. Not even a question. Right. Easily the worst team uh, in the NFL. Uh, two things that I, I believe are going to be big in this game. But number one, Trevor Lawrence. Like, yes. It's just about Trevor Lawrence and how he performs. And I think these two things are linked. Since week nine, though, Trevor Lawrence, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. 7.5 yards per attempt. That's 10th best in the league. But this is the best that I think. 2.41 average time to throw. That's the third fastest in the league. He's getting rid of the ball quickly. Yeah. If anything can uh, negate a great pass rush, and the Cowboys have the best pass rush in the league, it's getting the ball out of your hands fast. Quick game, 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 quick game. He has 111.7 passer rating in that time span since week nine as well. And the biggest reason is because he gets the ball out of his hands quickly. Um, the Cowboys can play a lot of press man and disrupt the timing and, and the route tree, uh, and that will force him to hold onto the ball longer so get, let the pass rush get home. Speaking of pass rush, uh, Trevor Lawrence in three games versus the top seven pass rushing teams in the NFL based on sack rate. Cowboys lead the NFL in sack rate, but when they've played a team that's top seven in sack rate, the three times they have, Trevor Lawrence combined sack 13 times in those three games. Right. Um, yeah. The, so the Cowboys can get to him, and they will, 
But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, Megan the Stallion size. But is um, if he gets rid of the ball quickly and he's been his timing has been really, really good. His processing has been fast lately. If he is processing quickly and you don't force him to hold on to the ball, just a split second longer from Michael Parsons to Marcus Lawrence to Armstrong Armstrong to get home. That could be a long day for the Cowboys right. defense. Right. To me, that's the one thing I'm worried about. His timing has just been superb lately. And that's why he's playing so well. Just yep. he, he, you can tell he's so comfortable now within the offense. The ball comes out. He knows exactly where he's going with the ball before the snap, and it's confirmed post-snap. And he's firing. Right. And the Cowboys, they got to try to discombobulate him somehow and confuse him. And that has not been happening lately. But no. the Cowboys are a different defense. And, and I want to see the Cowboys run the ball more than – 25 times in a game you just want to see him run the ball more i get jacksonville has a bottom five pass defense so you're gonna throw the ball mm-hmm. but if you're getting off the field pretty quick and putting that defense back out there and back out there and back out there again and leaving those cornerbacks on islands against trevor lawrence that's where it's going to hurt you in the fourth quarter when all of a sudden it's a close game and they're able to cut march down the field on you a couple times because they're just tired because they've been on the field the whole game. Yeah. you got to prepare it and just go. Even if you're throwing the ball, throw short passes and just run that clock a little bit. Extension of the running game. I, I totally agree with you on that, too, because uh, you, you want your pass rush to be fresh. I think they can get home against Trevor Lawrence, and if they get home on Trevor Lawrence, I think it's all she wrote. I don't think the, Hello. I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars will stay with the Cowboys that long, but if Trevor Lawrence is able to connect and they're not pressuring him consistently, man, like Hart said, he's starting to look like that guy. Yeah. He started to look like he is him. He <laughs> is him and I is he. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right, we come back. Uh, I'm starting to dive deep into the Texas-Washington uh, Alamo Bowl matchup. I'll give you some of the nuggets I've already found. I can tell you exactly how Washington is going to attack Texas. Um, it ain't a secret. Uh, maybe it is, but I'll reveal that secret on the other side. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful another horn. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to uh, Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. I want to get into this uh, Texas-Washington-Alamo Bowl matchup a little bit. Talked about it uh, yesterday in our bowl preview. Uh, the big concern for me in this matchup is uh, Washington's strength on offense versus Texas's weakness on defense. Their strength on offense, they can throw the ball. They're arguably the most effective passing offense in the country. They lead the country in passing yards. Just their quarterback does, Michael Penix Jr. They're fifth uh, in passing attempts per game. They're sixth in passing attempts overall. Um, and if you look at it, just their uh, efficiency, they're around 60, close to 66% uh, completion percentage. And they're top 10 in yards per attempt, 8.7. Top 15 in passing touchdowns at 30. Um, and like I said, they're first in passing yards per game as well. So they're really comfortable passing the ball. As a matter of fact, they prefer 
to be throwing the football. That's where they are. That's their comfort zone. Uh, Texas' comfort zone on defense is taking away the run and having you – you know, forcing you to beat them one-dimensionally, um, which is being an unbalanced offense. Um, so you think to yourself, oh, well, Texas should be in a, you know, in an advantageous position. This is how they're accustomed to winning. They take away the Washington running game, and the Washington running game is not very formidable, um, but their passing game is elite. Uh, no question. Uh, this will be one of the best quarterbacks they face. I'll ask you this, Harris. Let's have this question real quick before I get into some of these um, little stats and factoids and trends here. Where would you rank Michael Penix Jr. among the quarterbacks Texas faced so far this year? I think he, uh, he's, I think probably, he's top three. I was just about to say, I would put him in Bryce the top. Young's ahead of him? I would put him and then Frank Harris because I love Frank Harris and what Frank Harris brought I'm to the you. table. So I would put him right there, and I'm okay. told, I've, I've been talking about you've Frank been talking Harris about Frank Harris since offseason. Yeah, for talking a about long how good time. he was. You made yeah. me a Frank Harris fan. Right. You're not gonna put Max that. Duggan up there. I, I not would, in the West performance. Not, okay. not, yeah, not and, the and, way and, he played in that game. He's a better quarterback yeah. in the overall no, no, season, but not point. that performance. No, no, right. no. Patrick's right. Terms of great in terms of he's, quarterbacks yeah, overall. Of course, the guy was at the Heisman yeah, ceremony. Yeah. So, so we got to give him some love. But no, in terms of performance, yeah. I agree with you. I don't yeah. know performance wise. He didn't show much at all. Right. I mean, Texas obviously had a very effective game plan ready for Max Duggan. I think a lot of that is having the best uh, scouting report and the most extensive scouting report in the country on TCU exactly. with Gary Patterson on your staff. Yeah, right. I think mean, that was a big part of it too, right? And we know Gary Patterson probably had that game whoop, circled. Yep. <laughs> Just like he did whoop, on Alabama. Exactly, right? <laughs> so I think there is some of that. But no, that's a good yep. point by Patrick. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Just not, didn't perform well. So right. you can put him not gonna throw penalize Ma- him for Throw it, Max though. Duggan in there too. Um, I think Michael Penix Jr., you could argue, is going to end up in the top three best quarterbacks Texas played right. when it's all said and done. Whether you want to bump Frank Harris out or bump hell, bump out a Bryce Young or bump out somebody, uh, bump out even Max yeah, Duggan. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy. but You can't even bump out Bryce Young because he's going to be the number one overall draft pick. So. Number one overall draft pick, and the guy won a Heisman. And, won a Heisman. and Max Duggan was at the Heisman ceremony. So yeah, we're bumping yeah, out Frank Harris? Yeah, we're going to have to bump out Frank Harris <laughs> because a, of the one who, who also won a bunch of awards. No, was, was yeah, he's legit. He's, yeah. And he's coming back. Yeah. He, Frank Harris is a hell of a player. Yep, no you doubt. look at uh, who gave Texas a scare. Frank Harris is right in that club. He had, sure was. I uh, had Longhorn fans freaking out during that game. Yep. Um, so I agree. I mean, I'm, I, my point is, just as a thought experiment, this guy's the real deal. He'll be one of the three best quarterbacks Texas played this year. Yep. Like I said, we don't know who we're bumping out, but he's the real deal. He's legit. Um, and getting back to your point about why you love Frank Harris and even comparing him to a Bryce Young uh, in a sense, um, like I said, you can throw Max Duggan in there too if you want to, uh, but looking at those guys, the reason that they were so effective versus Texas is because they looked to, when they were scrambling, they looked to throw. Yep. They 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 ran only to, to 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 scramble to throw or to keep the play alive, and that's Michael Penix Jr. Much like Frank Harris, much like Bryce Young. Man, Bryce Young killed Texas with that. Yeah, he was just he, oh, yeah. he constantly just keeping the play alive, That's it. Um, which exhausts your pass rush and force your DBs to have to cover for four, five, six seconds. Um, held the touchdown by Alabama was him scrambling, remember, throwing the back of the end zone to Jamar Gibbs yep. uh, right there. So. He has that ability, and he's got some weapons around him, 2,000-yard receivers. So I was just looking at how this game is going to play out for Texas. I do believe that Texas will stop their running game. I don't know how um, committed they're going to be to the running game. If I'm Washington, I come out throwing. 
I come out throwing I mean, to set strength. up the run. Yeah. That's your strength. And they may decide, no, 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 we want to be balanced, and maybe they'll go that route. I don't think they will. Right. I think they're going to showcase Michael Penix Jr. I think they know their strength matches up really well with the weakness of Texas. Texas 88th in pass defense. And we know that Texas rush defense has been one of the best in the country. They Texas rush defense has only allowed seven rushes of 20-plus yards the entire season. Right. The entire season. The pass defense is allowed 39 Nasty. passes of 20-plus uh, yards this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're dealing with two uh, different levels of play. Um, I think Texas rush defense might be one of the best in the country, definitely one of the best in the Big 12. So I do believe they'll be able to shut down the run. Not shut down, but they'll be able to neutralize the running game for Washington. And if I'm Washington just predicting, I think they come out throwing the football to set up the run. And I think I know how they're going to do it. Uh, first of all, they're going to watch three. You know what? They're, they're, there's six games I think they're going to watch. If you're if you're game planning against Texas, there's six games you want to watch specifically. You want to watch Bama, UTSA, uh, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and K-State. You might as well throw out the West Virginia film and the Baylor film and the Oklahoma film and the ULM film and the Kansas film uh, and the TCU film. You can throw that out. Throw them all out? You can throw those out. Okay. The reason you can throw those out is because they didn't really, effect, in my opinion, effectively exploit the Texas defense. Gotcha. They didn't. Why would you waste your time trying to figure out what they did? They were ramming their head against a brick wall. They didn't do it. To me, they didn't. I don't think. I think. I don't think West Virginia, Baylor, for most of the half, they were shut out. Oklahoma didn't have a quarterback. ULM, ULM, Kansas couldn't get anything going. And TCU was just a slugfest, a defensive slugfest. Right. The 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 offenses that had some success versus Texas. The defense, Bama, UTSA, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and K-State. And I went to try to look at all the different elements and concepts that were successful that also were were kind of the common denominator or commonalities between these games uh, where teams were able to move the football and make some plays against Texas. And I found some strange trends and patterns and some of the stuff that I've already brought up so far this year. And if you and I went back and watched every game uh, the Texas played this year, but I watched it in order, which is important. Okay. It's important to watch football games in order because it does give you and I, and I think their staff will probably do this, too. But if you're just looking at the games where teams have success, I want to isolate those. But when I watch the games in order, that's why I was able to just say, no, nah, this game matters more than this game. This game uh, shows you the, the actual uh, conceptual signatures that were able to exploit Texas. It, it gives you the story of the Texas defense. So the, the ULM game really wasn't anything at all. Nothing mattered. The Bama game, I just didn't base on my research, and I'll give you more of this, obviously, as we closer to the Texas Alamo Bowl. You know what Bama did to, expo- to, to attack the Texas defense? They had the second most bunch snaps and bunch formations of any team Texas faced this, uh, this past season. They used the second most bunch formations and bunch sets. Remember, right after the game, I came on here and started saying, man, Texas got issues defending mm-hmm. um, and, being, and, and being able to read um, uh, the, the bunch concepts and to read those route combinations out of the bunch and react to them. And all, all season long, that became uh, an issue for Texas. And 
that was one of the things that they threw out there that they believe that could give Texas problems. They also used a ton of empty formation. They probably used the second most empty formation that Texas faced all season long. They used a, a lot of it. Actually, no, I take, take it back. Third. It was third most. Third most empty formations that any, any team used against Texas all season long. And they probably didn't know it at the time, but empty formation exposes something against that Texas defense. And it also takes away Texas's two biggest strengths on defense. What are Texas' two biggest strengths on defense? Pass rush, and pressure the quarterback. They're second or third in the Power Five in pressures, mm-hmm. and they can stop the run. Dang. Well, you're running empty. You ain't running. Right. And you got nobody in the backfield but the quarterback. So I ain't running. I negate their rush defense right there. And their pass rush, well, the, uh, the empty formation, it promotes quick game, getting the ball out of your hands quickly. So it actually... It, 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 to me, neutralizes their pass rush and mitigates that a little bit, too. That's why teams decided, you know what, we're going to do it. So after Bama used uh, a ton of empty formation against Texas, and they were you know, really successful using empty formation, they uh, had 10 plays out of empty formation, and they had a 90% completion rate when they went empty formation against Texas. And you know what UTSA did right after that? 24 plays of empty. They had the most empty plays against Texas all season long, actually, if anybody. UTSA saw something that worked and said, oh, you know what, we're going to use it. Matter of fact, we're going to abuse it. And they made some big plays against like Texas. It. 9.2 yards per attempt in empty formation with a 72% completion percentage against Texas out of empty. Um, the bunch formations, you know who decided to copy the Bama blueprint with the bunch formations? It was Tech. Tech used, the, used more bunch formations than any other team uh, that played Texas this season. And they didn't really have a great, you know, effective uh, mark uh, in those formations. They were 5.1 yards per attempt, um, but they had a 70% completion percentage. And what it did, it allowed them to move the chains, those long, double-digit play drives they went on. All right, when they would go bunch formation, a lot of that allowed them to confuse the Texas DBs and get some of those easy completions for Donovan Smith. Worked out really well for him. Yep. Um, and so you see what, like, football is one of those games where once, once a team has success with one concept or one specific idea, you're going to see it over and over again. Copycat league. It's a copycat game. So once Texas struggled with the bunch formations and empty sets versus Bama, UTSA, we're using a ton of empty sets. Mm-hmm. And then Texas Tech, oh, we're using a ton of bunch formations. And they threw out the empty sets, too. And Oklahoma State, actually take it back, Iowa State did it first. Iowa State did it first. The in-breaking routes. Iowa State, when you looked at in-breaking routes, routes that the slant, the glance, the post route, the angle route, um, or what they call the basic in, just five yards and just running in uh, to five yards, what they call the in route. Those specific concepts, oh, man, Iowa State, they, had, they were 9 of 10, 90% on such routes. They were money, and they ran a ton of them. And then Oklahoma State took it to the next level. Oklahoma State was 7 of 9 just running slant routes on Texas. They ran slant after slant after slant, in-breaking routes. And then you start building the blueprint of how to exploit Texas. It, you, you watch the Bama film, and you watch the UTSA film, and you get the Tech film, the, Oklahoma, the Iowa State film, and the Oklahoma State film. And all of those pretty much confirm these concepts that are successful versus Texas. Bunch formations, 
some of your empty formations, and especially with mobile quarterbacks, because they are the running threat. That's why UTSA, K-State, Bama ran a ton of them. Because once you do defend it, uh, having the perfect coverage called, you still got to defend the quarterback as a plus one in the running game. That's really tough to do, almost impossible to do. And then Oklahoma State and Iowa State use the in-breaking routes, slants, glances, ends, um, angle routes. So if you're Texas and you just watching your own film, self-scouting, you should know exactly how Washington, a pass-happy, pass-centric team, is going to attack you. And I, I'm, I'm giving it to you right now, just as a guy who watches the film. And on top of those three concepts, you know the route, you know the formation, and you know the concepts that, that work against them. You also can throw the ball 0 to 19 yards in between the numbers. For some reason, Texas has a really tough time defending that area. The core, the heart and soul of the defense and that's something that Iowa State and K-State and Tech really took advantage of versus Texas. Uh, K-State, hell, they were 16 of 20 throwing in that area, 241 yards. Iowa State, 15 of 17, 206 yards. Texas Tech, 16 of 19. You're talking about over 80% completion percentage throwing to that area of the field, 0 to 19 yards in between the numbers. So I can tell you where they're going to throw. I can tell you what routes they're going to run. I can tell you what formation they're going to run them from. And I can tell you what concepts they're going to use. Texas knows this. So if they get beat with it, it's a dang coaching mistake. <laughs> it ain't rocket science. It hey, ain't, ain't you scouting yourself and you're self-scouting, I'm telling you what as Gary do. Patterson should be doing and saying, hey, guys, this is where we got uh, beat all year. They if that's what it. his job is, yeah. special assistant, he needs to be telling them, hey, guys, we got to tighten this up. They're going to play the hits versus exactly. Texas. Exactly. That's what they're going to do. They're and that do team got a lot to prove. They're, yeah. They won six games in a row. They finished the season 10-2. and two, And Michael Penix Jr. is trying to set himself up to be a Heisman candidate going into next season. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. They're looking forward. They're playing to win. Yeah, this is a launching pad game exactly. for them. Uh, trying to launch that program. And Texas it, should be doing the same as well. Totally agree. All right, we'll come back. Uh, another off the record on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie. One four nine the All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. New theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. We play uh, some uh, jams uh, that's supposed to hint to what the theme of the day will be. But new theme Thursday, we figured it out pretty quickly. Holiday jams, but specifically holiday jams with a soulful, soulful twist that are also original holiday jams with a soulful twist so uh that's my man patrick djing a new theme thursday we appreciate that as always um all right uh we want to get to a couple items here we're up against it so we're a little late for the break so we won't dive deep into uh any items uh random off the record here have you heard about this new drake um (laughs) engage basically it's a engagement ring chain that's so crazy. So basically, Drake, the uh, the rapper, has decided that he is he he he's already made it. It's a necklace with forty two engagement ring diamonds. Come on, 
in the necklace. So it's made of 42 engagement rings. The celebrity jeweler Alex Moss tells TMZ, Champagne Poppy's new piece is called Previous Engagements, a tribute to all the women that Drake contemplated asking to marry him but never went through with it. All right, gentlemen, how do we feel about this? Is this just desperate? Is he just, no. is it desperation or is he trolling these women or is it desperation? Is he thirsty? What is it? Hold on, man. You Give just to told me. me that the chain had how many? 42 engagement rings on it. So he was it's thinking three. about being engaged to 42 women? In Come total, on, man. In total, we're told the, the 42 stones count for 351.38 carats in diamonds. Bruh. You were thinking about marrying 42 women? That's like, a, what is going on in your life? I will say this. Have you ever went to a strip club and thought about marrying that woman? Not all 42 of them. That was that. I'm in love. But there's a song about I'm it, right? I'm in love, I'm in love with, with a stripper. stripper. So I think that's just like he's gone. He's like seen a woman like, man, I would risk it all for her. It's She's 42? so fine. 42? It seems like a weird bro. number. 42 is a lot. Because, because if, I, if I fell in love with a stripper... I usually don't remember the next day, much less a, me- a, month-, a month later. Well, Drake yeah. writes a song about it. He's like the male Taylor Swift. Uh, uh. <laughs> he's gonna write so a he's song like, I got 42 hit songs. <laughs> I, think, I think he's pulling a Costanza there. <laughs> he's doing a Costanza when he wore the wedding ring. He's like, look, I'm not afraid of commitment. I got the, the 42 engagement ring. That shows oh, me that boy. you are he's like, afraid yeah. of commitment. Oh, that's because I agree, but I don't think Drake thinks that. Yeah. Drake thinks. I'm 42? like, if you got 40. Two how of many, those, man. How many women have you... First of all, how many women have you proposed to? I've proposed to two. I mean, none. I've proposed to none. Yeah. Two. How many? You never proposed to one? One. I'm about to say, you're nah, married. Exactly. I'm about to say, did she propose to you? Hey, wow. Hey. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, my first one, the first one didn't work out. So I guess I, if, I, if I was no champagne way. poppy, I'd have, <laughs> I'd have two. I'd have, a, I'd have a necklace with just two on there. So yeah, 42. 42. Think about that. That is just being ridiculous. He said that what he wanted to. I said, if I could propose to every woman I want to, it'd probably, I'd probably be at 10. There are probably 10 women I've wanted to propose to. But that's probably. what I'm saying. I like, didn't do it. I thought it through, and it was a great decision by me not to do it. Right. <laughs> like, but, but I'm saying, like, if you're, if you're willing to go out there and that is your statement that this is what I thought about doing, I thought about marrying 42 women. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and buy some diamonds hey. for everyone. I'm like, come on, man. Who are these 42? Hey. It who are the 42? You know what? That's the key. Because all the women now who've ever dated Drake all think they're the 42. Yeah, I saw every true. woman every woman he's ever had lunch with, dinner with, happy hour, drink with, coffee, doesn't matter. They all believe, oh, I'm the 42. And, that's, and that number, it ain't Will, it's probably good Will Chamberlain-like numbers at this exactly. point. Exactly. Can we agree? He's, he's doing Will Chamberlain-like numbers, and all those women now think, hey. Um, I'm the I, I was the one that got away. I watched an interview with Noriega and DJ Drama, and Noriega asked him. He said, "I heard you and Drake used to date the same woman." He was like, "Yeah, but I went out with her first. Like, so is that the same thing? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, what is wrong with my dude? Drake has dated a lot of like starring star other people's himself. people." Yeah, he's he's not. Yeah, he, OPP. OPP. He he's down with OPP. For, <laughs> you know me. Someone says forty two robberies in one lick. Yeah. <laughs> Drake rolls deep though. You he ain't does. gonna get Drake like that. Drake yeah. is. He's got bodyguard. He got an entourage now in the yeah. caravan when yeah, he rolls up. He's that dude now. Yeah, he's that dude now. He's that dude. I now. mean, that, whether you like Drake or not, he is that dude. He is that dude. Hate to admit it. Yep. Uh, oh, and by the way, his new album um, that he's got with Twenty One Savage. I ain't gonna lie. That's like four four it bangers slaps. on that joint. Yeah, it slaps. Hey, broke. 
boys is legit. Right. All right, we'll come back. We'll get into uh, Bijan as a top five pick. We'll also talk about Texas getting a punter. And, it's and a- Texas got a new linebacker that got an offer, too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's somebody close that. to the family. All right, we'll get into that, too, on the other side. All that more, we go behind the burn on his curtain right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to put it on the horn.